0: Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. Good morning, Missio Day, and happy third week of Advent to you. Really glad to be with you this morning. Um, Advent is by far my all-time favorite season on the church calendar. Um, Going back hundreds of years, Advent was for the church a time on the church calendar specifically set aside to point to, look to, the second coming of Christ. Now, if the church calendar tells the story of the life of Christ over the course of many months, it might seem a little bit odd to begin with the end, to begin with where we're going, what hasn't yet happened, but will indeed happen one day. And namely, that is the return of Christ and the renewal of all things. But this is precisely the point. Because as we prepare to retell and be retold the story of the life of Christ, beginning with his birth, we're reminded that just as God was faithful at the beginning to draw near to his people for their salvation, so too will he be faithful once again. And I think it's, it's such a meaningful thing that this truth is set against the backdrop of winter. As the days grow colder and, and darker, this is when we sit in the hope of the return of Jesus who is the light of the world. It's to that coming king and kingdom that that Advent points our gaze, that directs our focus and our attention. This is why the, the four Advent themes that we're going to be preaching through and have been preaching through in the month of December are so profound. There's something about how each and every one of these words, hope, love, peace, joy, are defined by our culture and the world around us, but then when they're weighed against the scriptures and what we see in the person of Jesus, these definitions are quickly revealed to be inadequate. Our world and culture, it certainly doesn't shy away from using these words like hope, joy, peace, and and love, whether it be from our politicians or our marketing materials or talk show hosts, whatever else, these words are often wielded. But as we look to the person of Jesus and the way of his kingdom, we find that hope joy, peace, and love actually means so, so much more than anything the world could tell us. This is why Advent in its own special way is a reorientation, a reorientation away from the incomplete notions of hope, joy, peace, and love of this world and toward the way of the kingdom of God. So with that in mind, I have the the pleasure this morning of talking to you about joy. And right up front, I'd like to make one Quick distinction. That's likely that you've heard this distinction made many times before, but I I think it's so important not to miss. And that is that joy is not the same as happiness. Joy is not the same thing as happiness. Now, if you're anything like me, when you hear that distinction made, you squirm a little bit. You know, even though I know that to be true, that is that joy is not the same thing as happiness. Something about that still bothers me. I spent the last several weeks reflecting on why that might be. And I I came to the conclusion that I think it's because in my heart of hearts, I want God to ensure my happiness. I want this to be his will for my life. I know that he wants joy for me. I know that he wants me to be joyful and that's a, a much deeper thing. But ultimately, I think why this bothers me is because I want him to ensure even my happiness in the here and now but the reality is is this is not the case. It isn't so. You see, the pursuit of happiness, which is a concept enshrined in the very foundation of our civilization, is quite frankly not the calling of the follower of Jesus. And that might sound jarring to you, that might sound a bit forward, but I think it's important for us to repeatedly hear this because as we read the scriptures, what we see clearly is our Lord time and time again telling us that trial and tribulation and heartache and even even hatred from the world are not just possibilities, they are certainties in the Christian life. If you are a follower of Jesus, on some level, you can count on this. And so if we're honest, this isn't compatible with any guarantee of happiness. In the context of prosperity, this can be easily forgotten, but as the people filled with the Holy Spirit and called to look upon the pain and the brokenness of our world and be moved to action. As this kind of a people, the pursuit of happiness has to be recognized for what it is, a flimsy, hollow pursuit. No, our, our call is so much deeper than happiness. Our call by God is joy. God might not call us to or guarantee our happiness, but he does call us to joy. In fact, Paul makes it clear in Galatians that that joy is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit and to live into the way of the Spirit is to be living a life of joy. And so if this is true, if it's true that we're to be living lives of joy, it begs the question, what is it? What is joy? If our world gives us a counterfeit joy, then what is true Christ-like joy? And what I hope to submit to you this morning are what I believe to be three markers of Christian joy. Three. Three distinctives that when taken together identify exactly what we're talking about when we talk about Christian joy. And so the first of these three markers or identifiers, if you will, of Christian joy is that joy is rooted in resurrection hope. Christian joy is rooted in resurrection hope. 1 Peter 1 3 says this. It says, Praise praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, joy must be rooted in this kind of hope. It must be rooted in this kind of hope. And this is a kind of hope that is altogether different from the hope of this world. To our world, hope is essentially optimism. It's having a positive outlook on things, bringing to a situation a sense of, of upbeat, you know, look at the bright side sort of mentality. And this, of course, like happiness, is not a bad thing in and of itself. It's perfectly good to be an optimistic person. I tend to think I'm an optimist. But having this sort of disposition is not the same thing as hope, especially not the kind of hope we see talked about and exemplified throughout the scriptures. Being able to look at the bright side has its benefits, but truth is, you know, so much of what we're talking about. The truth is that so much of what we're talking about and what's taking place in our world, it doesn't have a bright side. There is no bright side to early death, to miscarriage. There is no bright side to, to poverty or, or sex trafficking or, or starvation. There is no positive spin to be put on racism or segregation No, see, tragedy and brokenness like this requires more than a positive spin. It demands more than optimism or or comforting, comforting tropes. It requires hope. And hope, this kind of hope that I'm calling resurrection hope, is rooted not in whether things go a certain way in the moment, but is instead rooted in an assurance of faith, a confidence that God will do what he has said he will do, A faith that the God of restoration has not abandoned our world to decay. A faith that just as Christ was assuredly raised from the dead, so too will we be raised to eternal new life. A faith that Christ is indeed coming again. And though we do not know the moment this renewal will happen, just as sure as the resurrection, we know that it will come to pass. This hope, this resurrection hope is imperative to understanding joy. You see, to look upon our circumstances or the state of the world and to see corruption and and deep brokenness, and yet choose to hold fast to our assurance of faith that God will one day make it all new again. This is what makes joy in every circumstance possible. And ultimately that's the difference between happiness and joy. Whereas happiness is dependent upon circumstances, joy is not. Joy is big enough for loss. Joy is big enough for sorrow. The joy of Christ is big enough for sadness and even depression. I think that's why Paul in in his letter written to the Philippian believers said, always be full of joy in the Lord. Always be full of joy. Certainly he didn't believe that the Philippians weren't facing persecution and and hatred and even death, they were. And furthermore, Paul himself was writing this letter to the church in Philippi from a prison cell. Think about that. What we see here in this kind of joy is, is something so much bigger than one's state or one's circumstances. I'll never forget the opportunity that my wife and I, Rachel, had to to visit uh, uh, the the country of Zambia in 2015. We went there to spend a couple of weeks on one of the Bible colleges there, about two hours outside of the capital of Lusaka. We were honored to spend a couple of weeks just getting to know people there and and participating in in a couple of their classes. I learned so much from this trip, but what left the deepest impression on me by far is the profound joy that radiated from these brothers and sisters though they had almost none of the comforts that, that I have, that we have, on a daily basis, though they faced regular persecution in, 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 in harsh environments, their joy was unlike anything I've ever seen. From the singing every day and night that could be heard from our, from our, our dorm, to their devoted prayer that overflowed with hopefulness in every phrase, every word, every person that participated, to their preaching, These people radiated joy and it left a profound mark on Rachel and I. Missy O'Day, I really do believe that joy is not only possible, but that it is God's will for you. I believe that joy is a part of God's will for your life. And I know that that so much of the present circumstances are are not how we choose for them to be. And yet in this moment, we are called to joy. This is the moment we are all called to endure and walk through with joy. May the hope of the resurrection, even in the midst of a pandemic and lockdowns and all the rest of it, may the hope of the resurrection be the foundation of our joy. I believe that it is true for this moment. And so because of that, the first distinction then of of Christian joy is that it's rooted in resurrection hope. The second marker of, of this kind of joy that I'd like to submit to you this morning is that Christian joy, the joy of Christ, when truly lived, does not produce self-indulgence, but self-giving. I'll say that again. Christian joy does not produce self-indulgence, but self-giving. In sixteen, Matthew 16, excuse me, Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my followers, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Now, just to briefly go back to one of the initial, initial distinctions that I made, if earthly happiness is our pursuit, then inevitably what will drive us in life is that which contributes most that feeling of happiness. Whether it be the jobs that we take or, or how we invest our finances or the way in which we spend our weekend, all of it will revolve around the primary question of how does or does this contribute to my pleasure? But the irony of this, and, and this is no secret, is that, that this way of pursuing happiness often, if not all the time, leads to the most severe kind of unhappiness. When people get wrapped up in the pursuit of their own pleasure, through whatever it is, wealth or, or security or comfort, making a name for themselves, whatever it is, when their lives are built on this kind of pursuit, so often the result is not happiness, but great sorrow. Loneliness, a, a fear of losing what they've built. But joy, joy that is rooted in the person of Jesus is altogether different. This, this kind of joy not only comes forth out of self-giving, but in turn generates more of it. There's something about this kind of joy that produces more joy, that produces more joy, that produces more joy. Mother Teresa once famously said that a joyful heart is the normal result of a heart burning with love. She who gives most gives with joy. It's easy in the midst of a, a pandemic to become consumed with the the preservation of our our comforts, to spend our time and energy ensuring that we have what we want and that we have what we need. I think the perfect example of this that comes to mind is the fact that at the beginning of the pandemic, maybe you remember this, probably do, you couldn't find toilet paper on store shelves to save your life. And the fact that everybody attempted to hoard the toilet paper, for whatever reason that was, caused me to want to hoard the toilet paper. I didn't want that much toilet paper. I didn't need that much toilet paper. I didn't even know where to put it all. But apparently, I should be loading up on toilet paper. This is like what's been embedded within us as consumers. And we wonder why we aren't happy. I mean, this to me is like the perfect example of what it means to build up our own comfort at the expense of others. I'll never forget walking into Aldi And I had this this list of things that I was going to get. It was probably longer than it would have been if it wasn't for a pandemic. I didn't think it was that long at the time, but I I certainly was trying to, to build up my stockpile. And I walked in and I remember feeling upset with the people because all of the shelves were empty. It was unlike anything I've ever seen. It was just like a couple of things sparsely scattered throughout. And I was upset with this proverbial shopper who had taken all of the food, but I myself was stepping in to essentially do the same thing to its own degree. But to truly live into the joy of Christ means saying no to finding our happiness and comfort. It means saying no to finding our happiness in security. It means saying no to finding happiness in the wealth and, and prosperity that this world claims to offer, and instead finding joy in pouring out. This is bound to turn some heads. To our world, this this way of living doesn't compute but it truly is the distinctive of long-lasting, eternal, and abiding joy. The third distinctive that I'd like to put forth this morning is that when the people of God live into the joy of Christ, the world always takes notice. When we as followers of Christ exemplify self-giving joy rooted in the hope of the resurrection, we become a beacon that cannot be missed. And oh my goodness, do we live in a world longing to see this beacon, a world longing to see and experience true joy. In a day and age where divisiveness and anger rule the day, a country plagued by rising suicide rates, a city with rising murder rates, rising civil unrest and disdain for the state of things. We live in a world, whether it knows it or not, that longs to know true joy, and as I said before, Christian joy doesn't doesn't gloss over sadness. It doesn't suggest that the answer is to gloss over anyone's anger, quite to the contrary, actually. To live into the joy of Christ means that we see the hurt, that we hear the hurt and that we acknowledge it as legitimate and yet point to something greater. You see, Christian joy always points to something greater, it points to the goodness of God at every turn, rejoicing in the truth that he is faithful to fulfill his promises. What if we lived in such a way that our neighbors took notice of this? And and this isn't supposed to be 30,000 feet theoretical stuff. This, This is supposed to be tangible, I mean this. What if we engaged our coworkers and our classmates and our neighbors each and every day what if we engage social media in such a way that, that it caused the world, it caused others around us to ask questions? Like literally ask questions, tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, listen, how, how, is it, how is it that you have lost your job and yet you still talk of the goodness of God? You've lost your income stream and yet you still care about me. You care about what I'm going through and walking through. How is this possible? How is it possible that you've been diagnosed with cancer? And yet you still lean into and speak of your assurance that God is faithful and he is always enduring in love. How is this possible? How is it possible that after all of this, you are still rejoicing? It's not that you smile all the time and never cry. It's it's not that at all. It's it's something much deeper than that. What if we lived in such a way that the world asked us these things, that those around us in our day-to-day saw with their own eyes and said, there's something different Here, there's there's something very, very different going on here in this person. I'm over time this morning, but I'd like to close with this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Written only days before being executed by the Nazis, he wrote this, this joy which no one shall take from us belongs not only to those who have been called home, but also to us who are alive. We are one with them in this joy, but never in melancholy. How are we gonna be able to help those who have become joyless and discouraged if we ourselves are not born along by courage and joy? Nothing contrived or forced is intended here, but something bestowed and free. Joy abides with God and it comes down from God and embraces spirit, soul, and body. And where this joy has seized a person, there it spreads, there it carries one away, there it bursts open closed doors you know, a sort of joy exists that that knows nothing at all of the heart's pain, anguish, and dread, it does not last. It can only numb a person for a moment. But the joy of God has gone through the poverty of the manger and the agony of the cross. That is why it is invincible, irrefutable. It does not deny the anguish where it is there, but finds God in the midst of it. In fact, precisely there. It does not deny grave sin, but finds forgiveness precisely in this way. It looks death straight in the eyes, but it finds life precisely within it. What matters is this joy that has overcome. My prayer and hope for you, Missy O'Day, as we get ready to close out a uh, doozy of a year. (laughs) is that no matter the uncertainty or chaos that this present moment brings or whatever moment is to follow, may the joy of the Lord be your strength. May the joy of the Lord be our strength as the body of Christ. May we be a people known for our rejoicing because of what Jesus has done and his promise to do. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at misiodechicago.com.